0: All right, what's up? Friday episode of DC Live special. Are you still a special guest? Oh, you tell or, me? I mean, you're I don't think like
1: my superior. I, so you I, let I me know.
0: I don't. I don't know if you're a guest anymore, man. You're officially on the team. Mm-hmm. I'm West Mitchell, Mike Yuva here. We're we're live from Market on Maine. Weather holding off for us a little bit. Luckily, we've got a great spot right under the 23 foot LED mm-hmm. screen where you can come out and watch South Carolina versus Tennessee at noon on Saturday you can come out, hang out with us, have some lunch, great food going on. This show is live from Market on Main, and this show is also presented by our good buddy, Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network. I'll tell you a little bit more about Clint later on, but uh, we're getting ready for a big matchup Friday, South Carolina versus Tennessee. Mike, filling in for our buddy, Chris Clark today, and uh, we're getting taken care of here at at Market on Main. Mike, I
1: wanted to say this was your, your GC Live debut. It's actually not because- we sat right back there. I just happened to be coming here for some great lunch, and uh, you guys were there, and you guys had me on. Yeah, so, so not not mm-hmm. technically your actual debut, but we're
0: glad you're here, man. We're glad you're on GamecockCentral.com. Yeah. We made that news official. Um How's it been, man? Your first uh, few days on the job as, as the have weird. the have they been taught? Have they been taking good care of you on the Game Pack Central message board? The
1: message board is like Twitter on steroids. Um, I, I'm still learning it, so I'm a rookie. I'm sure there'll be a lot of hazing going on in terms of uh, telling me to how I got to go about the message board things. Kind of like you know telling Happy Gilmore, you know, meet me at the uh, the ninth green at nine kind of trick, right? Wear something nice. So uh, I'm still learning how the message board all works, though. But it's been going well, and you know. The video side of it, we're going to continue to amp that up over the next couple of weeks. Very excited about that. So uh, we'll continue to just get great content because the bottom line is this Gamecock Central has such a tremendous reputation as is. And I think just being able to join up with you guys and, and, and knowing that the vision that you guys have for this site and seeing how things continue to change in the world of reporting. Um, I think digital is going to continue to grow. And I think this is going to give us a tremendous opportunity to grow Gamecock Central. But most importantly, The people that follow the Gamecocks and have been following the Gamecocks for for years to be able to give them something that you're not going to be able to find anywhere else.
0: Speaking of dressing nicely,
1: Mike, you look very
0: very dapper today. I'm in my uh, my my T-shirt. No, I'm going to catch you off because
1: it was the first thing you said. And you started looking. You're like, great. All right, two things. One, so I did this. I I did my first, uh, what was it called? Touchdown club. Spoke at the Sumter Touchdown Club this morning. Great people in Sumter. So I came right from Sumter. Drove right over. Had a nice large cold brew. So I am waiting to go to the bathroom right after this. So, uh, you know, hopefully there's no accidents during this broadcast. Uh, but number two was I have so much stuff that I've worn from TV over the last six, seven years. So I don't know what to do with it. So um, might as well make them. Might as well wear it. it. Yeah, de- definitely, man. Definitely. So uh, you, you look great, by the way. You're all decked out. I'm go,
0: in pal. my T-shirt. The water. Thank, thank you, buddy. Mix in the water. Get your mix in the water T-shirt uh, from Mike on Twitter and uh, dude, so uh, again, we're gonna be joined uh, by. Actually, this will be this guy's GC Live debut, Jake Crane. You probably know him as uh, if you're on Twitter, the J Boy Show. This mm-hmm. guy's blowing up, man. Um, I I've seen his stuff on Twitter before, but it's like to the moon right yeah. now. Um, had Lane Kiffin on his show the other day, oh, like that guy? yeah, that's yeah. pretty 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 big pretty time. Good. So we're gonna have Jake on. I, I'm hoping we can make this a more usual thing. We wanted to implement more like big picture SEC talk. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we're South Carolina oriented, but we want to bring in somebody who could give us a little perspective on the rest of the league. So Jake will be on. He, he does a great job, and that'll be fun. But, dude, we got to talk South Carolina, Tennessee. So we'll sort of bookend him. We'll open it up with Tennessee talk. We'll finish with South Carolina, Tennessee talk. Your first initial impressions for everyone. I've been talking about it all week. Take take the floor, man. What, what are your initial thoughts? on this South Carolina-Tennessee
1: matchup? Well, I think naturally the first thing you think about is just how well Tennessee ran the football last week. Uh, To take a line from Jay Phillips, they ran for like a country mile on Mizzou. But I think one of the things that, not to take away from what the Vols were able to accomplish last week, but one of the things that I think you need to, make sure you mention is the fact that I think Mizzou was just having a hangover after that Boston college loss. And I think that was one of the large reasons why they weren't able to play a complete game in the way that a lot of people expected them to at least compete. So, like I said, not to try to take things away from Tennessee, but I don't expect them to be able to number one, run the football as efficiently as they did last week against Missouri, but number two, to be able to play as well as they did just because that was a Missouri team that was still feeling bad for themselves. They were not over that Boston college loss and it was evident last week. You know, man, I, I think uh, looking at
0: that Missouri defense, the more I actually went back and watched the Missouri-Tennessee game, the more I watched that, the more I read some, like, local Missouri reporting. Um, Missouri defense, they're, they're in a world of hurt right mm-hmm. now. Um, you look at the yards per carry, the yards total allowed, you know, uh, not in a good place. They actually have a, an NFL-style scheme, NFL coach that they brought in going up against this sort of hurry up, no huddle, Mm -hmm. get to the line of scrimmage, spread out type offense. And, you know, we've seen Heupel's offenses in the past, uh, even speaking of Missouri. He was the offense coordinator at Missouri. We've seen them put up big numbers when they sort of – when they run into a defense that they just sort of outmatch, they they can score 50-60 in a hurry. But then we kind of have seen them come back down to earth when they face a defense that – um, it is in a little bit better place to, to stop them than Missouri. Now, the question for me is, going into this game, is South Carolina that defense? Because mm-hmm. we have seen South Carolina, I would say, probably play above expectations on defense. They've, they've been really good under Clayton White. They look like they understand the scheme. They play hard. They play fast. They create turnovers. Mm-hmm. Can't always count on turnovers to come. I think from a South Carolina side, you do have to be a little concerned about the running game and the yards allowed on the ground against Kentucky, and then Troy last week. When you combine that with what we've seen from Tennessee on the ground, not you know, not just against Missouri, but in general, the, their quarterback, Hendon Hooker, two man adding that run threat from the quarterback and sort of having to account for that on defense. Um, it, it's gonna it's gonna be a tough task. Let's put it like that. Not that they can't do it. It's gonna be a tough task for South Carolina's defense to step up and slow down this Tennessee rushing attack.
1: The challenge for South Carolina is they're not too far off from being the true "Ben do not break defense. You think back to that Kentucky game, right? Wildcats marched right down the field, they scored a touchdown, but that was the only touchdown they scored in the entire game. The issue is those critical third downs, the times when you need to get stops and you know they're going to run at you. There's nothing more demoralizing as a defense than knowing a team is going to run the football on you and you can't stop it. You need to be able to get off blocks. You need to be able to do your run fits. You need to be able to make tackles in critical situations. So with South Carolina, yes, you know what? They're going to give up big yards sometimes. I mean, that just happens, especially when you play a 4-2-5 and you're playing as aggressive as USC has played because that's why you have seen as many turnovers. There's a reason why they ranked first in the SEC in interceptions. They ranked first in the SEC in turnovers and they're top five in the country for turnovers in general. But one of the things that they just need to do a better job is being able to stop the run in those situations. But Wes, one other thing too, from talking to someone that is close inside that program for USC, they understand that Tennessee wants to run about 80, 90 plays. They want to do the fast tape, fast-paced tempo offense. Here's one of the things that South Carolina could benefit South Carolina's offense. Slow down. Slow down a little bit. Because yes, we've seen tempo from USC these couple of last couple of weeks. You know, occasionally they'll they'll mix things up a little bit, change of pace. Slow down this week. Give your offense, give your players. If, if they're having some difficulties with being able to pick up the run uh, run blocking schemes, you know, the zone run, or being able to identify the mic, or just having some time where they just want to slow down, slow down. Because here's the thing. Tennessee goes out there. You get those stops. You're going to be able to get the ball more. You're going to slow the game down. And Tennessee, that's the last thing they want. They want to be able to create rhythm. You know, I don't want to make it a Boston reference here, but Tom Brady, right? What does Tom Brady love to do? Being on the field. How do you beat Tom Brady? Keep him on the bench. That's what you need to do with Tennessee. You need to keep that offense on the bench as long as they can, because when they get back out onto the field, they're going to be itching. They're going to be itching, and that's when they're going to create probably uh, turnovers because they're going to try to take shots down the field because they're going to be so irritated that they've been on the bench so long. And I think Mike, the sort of hurry-up
0: no huddle era, to me, like the peak, it kind of peaked a few a few years ago, maybe even before that. There's there's a stretch where it felt like everybody was trying to go hurry up, and it was just how many plays can you run. And then it kind of adjusted, and it was like teams were more about we're going to kind of make that just part of our toolbox, basically. Yep. Like we're, we're going to change paces, kind of like a pitcher throwing a changeup. Let, let's give them this look. Let's give them the fastball, but then, you know, let's go hurry up. Let's slow it down. Tennessee, though, is still decidedly in the – they're all in yep. on the fast pace. Like, they, they are, so I'm watching the game – against Missouri. And you know that's how a lot of times teams, if it's like third and one or fourth and one, and they know, obviously third and one, they know they're going for it. Fourth and one, if they know they're going to go for it, they, they already have something designed where there's like, get to the line of scrimmage, run an inside zone. It's probably some play that they've, they've practiced over and over and over again. There's a play last week, Tennessee had a third and one, and they snapped the ball literally right before the play clock, play clock hit 35. So, yeah. so, it, I mean, it's, when, when it's like a third and one or a fourth and one and they know they, – they sort of have these – I guess it's it's triggered by the down to distance where they already know what play they're running. And, I mean, they're lined up and snapping the ball in five seconds. So it's like warp speed in those scenarios. If you're South Carolina, you have to get lined up. It probably doesn't allow you to do a lot of different things, like uh, to get too exotic defensively. So uh, to me it goes back to, like you said, playing your blocks, getting off your blocks, getting off blocks on the – exterior, like in the perimeter areas, because if you sort of mash them up inside, they just flip the little screens out to yep. their receivers all day. And it's kind of a numbers game. They're trying to play a numbers game on you. If you um, if, if you box it up in the middle, they shoot it outside. If you bring your safeties too far up, they go over the top. But basically they're playing. It, it's not really that complicated, but they're really good at it and they do it at a fast pace. So let's go out now. We've got uh, joining us in our guest line. This is the promo Gourmet guest line. We're going go out to Jake Crane. At the J-Boy Show, making his GC Live debut. Jay, <laughs> my man, I know you're busy. We appreciate the time. How are you today?
2: Man, I'm doing great. I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, forgive the noise. We go live from the College Football Hall of Fame. So if you hear maybe a field goal get kicked behind me, don't worry. We're not in trouble. It's just a lot of people having fun.
0: Hey, awesome, man. That's a, that's a great place to be going live from. Uh, like I said, we appreciate the time. Dude, I I've been familiar with you. I've uh, I've listened to the podcast before. You've been blowing up lately. I feel like you're everywhere. You had Lane Kiffin on uh, earlier this week. I saw. Um, t- tell our fans on GC Live a little bit about yourself, your background, and uh, of course how they can catch the show uh, every time that you're on, man.
2: No, I, I for real, I appreciate that. Nah, no, man. I, mean, I uh, played at South Alabama, coached for nine years, uh, six at the Division One level. Uh, was up in Montana coaching and came back during the pandemic. Uh, it was just wasting time. Started this just messing around. And it really just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, we signed with Colin Cowherd and them a couple months ago. And it's just been wild, man. Came down here to Atlanta uh, in the uh, College Football Hall of Fame, like I mentioned. And just very fortunate, man. You know, life's about timing. And we have an audience. Uh, we go live every day from 2 to 3 Central on YouTube. It stays on there. We put the audio on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. And I hire radio every afternoon, too. So it's just, uh, it's been wild, man. Um, It's a lot of fun. And (laughs) going from one side of it to the other has been pretty interesting. And and I'm enjoying it. And uh, what a crazy year so far.
1: Jake, we're going to take, obviously, a look across the SEC. But i got to ask you about the USC-Tennessee matchup to start which situation do you think is a better place to be in right now? And I'm not trying to say that as a trick question, be like, oh, you have to say it from you know, South Carolina standpoint. But, you know, these are two new coaches, first-year coaches, trying to rebuild programs that are in similar situations in a sense in regards to trying to rebuild after, you know, how things were, were left
2: off. Yeah, no, it's a good question. And I always look at it, everything circumstantial. Uh, when you look at Tennessee, the question I have, is what's going on with the NCAA and kind of that cloud that's been hanging over them, if there's even going to be an NCAA by the time they would enforce it. Uh, but, you know, when I look at the hire, I like the hire that Tennessee made. But I think, you know, I call it a good luck Chuck situation. I think Tennessee right now is dating the person that you date right before you find the person you're going to marry. Uh, I wonder if, you know, running that type of offense and that style, they don't have the personnel yet. On defense, now they could take advantage of teams uh, that, that aren't a lead on defense or that aren't above average on defense uh, by doing it. But it puts your own defense kind of, kind of in a problem because when you don't have depth and you're operating at that speed, you have to get up early and you have to get up quickly uh, because if not, that's where that depth hurts you in the second half because the defense been on the field the whole time. But I, and I wouldn't say this just because I'm on your show, but I'd, I'd say South Carolina uh, just because I think Shane Beamer and, and I know you asked me what's the better situation not what was the better hire. But if I'm a South Carolina fan, I think Shane Beamer's the guy. I think he's been the guy since they hired him. He's young. He's energetic. He knows the landscape. He knows what it takes to win at South Carolina. He's been there. And South Carolina, people talk about how thirsty Tennessee is for success. I know South Carolina is too. I would lean South Carolina because of the NCAA stuff.
1: Jake, and I got to ask you as well. I mean, Gamecock fans are probably happy that you said that,
2: but they're they're asking what's going on with that Clemson football. <laughs> well, I know their hearts are broken that Clemson's struggling. I know Shane's upset after getting, you know, the, uh, the, what, the alumni letter they sent him or something in the mail uh, when he got the job. But look, and, and, and what Dabo's done, there's been unbelievable. I don't think anybody can say it hasn't, but eventually you miss on a guy or a guy doesn't pan out and you have that mixed with, um, you know, an offensive line that's struggling as well. I'm talking about the quarterback position, uh, and it's kind of gone downhill. They're beat up on defense. Tyler Davis, we know about him. Skowski's been in and out. Specter's been in and out. Uh, but, you know, I think Clemson's going to be fine. But if you're a South Carolina fan, is there a little bit of an opening there? Maybe. Uh, and I think Shane will take advantage of it. I think he will. So what's up with the football again?
1: Yeah, I, I don't that, – <laughs> that no, that, oh.
0: that literal football, they're, uh, they're actually the, – the elephant in the room, they're giving you hell – on the comments, are you, are you holding a football? Did it oh, have a? Clemson? This
2: is the Clemson. Football. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's what I was asking. They're all bringing. They're all very upset by that. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be honest with you. So with our bets, we're like fifty-eight and thirty-seven right now, and I hit a parlay last Friday, and I did an interview holding this ball. I was a baseball player, so I'm very superstitious. But for the South Carolina fans, I'll put the ball away for now. But I've had Shane Beamer on the show. I've got helmets from basically everybody, but I'm missing one from South Carolina. I got a little mini helmet that I caught hell for on Twitter for having on the set and not a normal size one. So, Coach Beamer, send me the helmet, man, or send me a ball. I'll use that ball.
0: There, there you go. Some, somebody around here can send the man a helmet and a Gamecock ball. So, we're, we're going to make
2: that happen, even if we take it out of
1: Mike's paycheck.
2: Florida, Missouri, Ole Miss, LSU, Bama, Auburn, Georgia Tech, Michigan, Georgia Southern. Come on, coach. See,
1: Jake, Jake was on a roll, and I'm just like, you know, all right, Jake. So what's what's up with the football again? So he <laughs> just didn't hear me. It's all good though. So so, but here, Gamecock fans, Jake did just give you a compliment too. So uh, I, I don't know. For I don't sure. know but if you are going to be getting like, Christmas cards from them this year, but.
2: but I'm the Shane Beamer hire, I said outside of, of Brian Harson and the personnel he inherited at Auburn, I thought Shane Beamer was the best hire. Uh, of the offseason. season, I really because to me at South Carolina, you have to have you you have to be a certain fit to be able to win there, and, and having a guy that's been there while you've had success and understands the lay of the land and something that Coach Beam said on the show is that you know South Carolina is one of the most underrated states in the country for high school football. He's like I can find elite high school football players around here, but we got to be able to go to Georgia, we got to be able to go to Florida, uh, and you do that by building the brand. And I think Coach Beamer's just personality and his style down the road, you're going to start to see that kind of come to fruition a little bit.
0: Jake, uh, speaking of branding, man, uh, this NIL stuff, uh, I know you've you've been able to sort of uh, capitalize and have some guys on and um, the the media opportunities that this has opened up for, um, you know, for for players themselves, for people like us, for people like you. Um, First of all, why don't you tell uh, our fans a little bit about some of the guys you've been able to have on a weekly basis. But but what's that been like, man? I know, like you said, you got a football coaching background how cool has it been just to be able to use that vehicle to sit down one-on-one and and have some actual conversations with these guys as opposed to like a press conference situation
2: yeah no you hit the nail on the head I mean it's a lot more casual and it's funny you know what now when I first started the show before this NIL stuff and we've only been going for a little over a year but when I started it you'd have to reach out to the SID I mean I've been in the building I know how it goes you reach out to the SID he runs it by the coaches all right it's cool all right it's cool well if you look at it now, I can just reach out to the player. Uh, I can literally DM the player and say, Hey, do you want to come on? And he can either say, yeah, I'm going to run it by my agent. Uh, Yeah, we're good to go. And and we signed Kiaris Jackson from Georgia and Jamari Sawyer uh, who we're having on the show today. Uh, Bo Nix, Connor Bazelak from Missouri. Uh, We just had Grant Morgan on Uh, and it's, it's been good because you can kind of get to know the guys too. It's not just like you said, the press conference. Well, you know, coach said we need to do this and we need to run the ball better and, and we need to lead better, this, that, and the other. You get to kind of know them. You get to kind of know what makes them laugh, what gets them motivated. And that to me has been the coolest part. And I know our audience really enjoys it. And you know, that's why our slogans, win the water cooler, because I want I want our audience to be able to watch the game differently and understand the game differently and kind of understand who these guys are, even though they may not be on their team. You can that's how you kind of follow guys and, and really enjoy their work. Uh, out there, I, I always talk about, you know, receivers are the artists on the outside and, and the linemen are the bullies on the inside, but it's always fun talking to the offensive linemen. Those are my favorite. Well,
1: that's the thing. If you can get the offensive linemen to open up, you can learn a lot. The question that's, is whether or not they're going to talk. But like you said, Jake, if they start talking, I mean, boy, I mean, those are some of the most intelligent people on the field. They get I'm, a bad I, rap.
2: I say this all the time. If you put a gun to my head and said you had to go find one position group or one position to do your taxes and not screw it up, I'm going to the offensive line room and I'm finding the center. I'm not going to go talk to the DBs or the wide receivers or the quarterbacks or any of those. Go give me the center. That's the guy I want doing it. That's my turbo tax.
1: I, I do want to – I'm going to ask J- uh, Jake a question, but I just saw one of the comments, you know, someone asking do you guys pay for appearances. I think what Jake's trying to say, and Jake, cut me off if I'm wrong, but now with NIL deals, you can have players come on the shows and you can, you know, kind of basically sponsor them in, in a sense and be able to pay for those appearances. I mean, obviously, that wasn't the case back in the day. Yeah. Uh, but that's what you mean by that, right, Jake?
2: Yeah. No, it's it's paid appearances. Now, it's funny. Some aren't. Like, Grant Morgan just came on. I reached out to him. I was like, hey, do you want to come on? But the other guys, yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the thing I... Everybody freaked out about NIL. To me, the transfer portal and being able to transfer in conference is way more dangerous to the game Absolutely. than NIL. Ever, you know, people have been getting NIL. They just made it public now. To quote Jimbo Fisher, but when you look, a lot of these guys, and it's not hundreds of thousands of dollars. I didn't buy Kiaris. I shoot, I have a forerunner. I could get a Lamborghini if I wanted one. It's not like I'm getting him a Lamborghini or you know a Charger for any of the Alabama players, or whatever. But you know, when when you look at it, like from me, from my standpoint. A lot of these guys come from socioeconomic backgrounds that aren't very good. Most of them do, especially in the SEC. And a lot of them don't keep the money; they send the money back home. And and it's it's helping their families in different ways. And it's not you're not overloading a kid with, you know, you have the cases where Bryce Young may get a ton of money. That's just part of being the deal at as Alabama's quarterback. But you know, we're paying the guys. I can tell you this: we're paying them seventy five hundred for fifteen appearances. So it's not like it's. It's crazy, crazy money, but it gives them some money in their pocket and be able to send it back home, and those, that, those one of them that have kids be able to help get diapers and stuff like that as well.
1: You mentioned uh, more dangerous, perhaps transferring within the conference. One thing, and this is probably a story for another day, what I think is dangerous with everything with the NIL, being able to transfer in conference is still the ability to sit out once you play four games and keep that year of eligibility. Because if you're at a smaller school, yep, you know, Johnny the Booster down in Alabama, one of these other bigger schools, reaches out, and say, "Hey, kid, you know, you sit out, you come over here, we'll take care of you, we'll get you hooked up with, you know, a nice car dealership or you know a soup company or whatever." But I'll, I'll put that to the side. Looking at some of these games this week, I mean, across college football, it's going to be uh, spectacular. But in the SEC in particular, I look at that Arkansas matchup versus Ole Miss, and then I look at Auburn taking on Georgia. Looking at that Auburn Georgia matchup, is this the week that someone could? finally be able to figure out this Georgia defense?
2: Uh, man, you know, w- without a time machine, I don't know if you, if you can. But uh, when I look at this matchup, you know, Auburn's offensive line, while they've been okay going against that front seven, I said they're straight out of the volcano of Mordor. I mean, you look at the guys up front, and starting with Jordan Davis and look left and look right. You're not going to be able to line up and run inside zone at him. You're not going to be able to line up and run split zone at him. You're not going to be able to line up and run power counter any of the gap scheme stuff. To me, Bo Nix has to use his legs. Uh, that's really mm-hmm. the only built-in advantage you have. If you watch KJ Jefferson last week, was able to hurt him a little bit uh, with his feet because it gets it's truly eleven on eleven. Uh, you have to try it. You have to attempt it. But to me, going against Georgia, you have to use modified runs. Well, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Quick passes to the back, hitches, quick intermediate, uh, quick short game working the intermediate game, take a couple shots to keep them honest, but Georgia you have to make them go lateral. You can't let them just pin their ears back and penetrate because the thing that separates Georgia uh, and some of these teams from the rest is their ability to to just pressure you with four. They don't have to blitz, so when they catch you in third and eight and third and nine, which they get you in a lot, they don't have to start sending numbers from different places. They can every now and then, and you don't want to always do the same thing, but they can just rush four and play coverage uh, and, and not have to spy you, and that's huge, so Auburn, I think the TTP is 14 and a half. I don't know if anybody scores 24 points against Georgia this year. I, I just I, – I don't see – even Alabama. I think they have the most dominant side of the ball in the country. The key for Auburn is if you're going to win this game, you're going to win it 13-10, to 10, not 31-28. to 28. Uh, However the defense comes out and shows up, if field position and special teams are able to flip the field and just keep yourself in it until the fourth quarter. Crazy things happen in Jordan-Hare, but, man, it's a tough matchup for any offense. And Auburn's wide receivers – you know, they haven't got a lot of separation the whole season. I mean, even against Georgia State, so they don't really have a dude out there. Uh, I just don't see how they're going to be able to consistently score points outside of defensive scores or special team scores. So no. Hey, let's
0: keep. Sorry, yeah. Let's let's keep it with Georgia, man. Um, who's the best team in the country? Is it Georgia? Is it Alabama? Um, if they if they faced off today, who do you got?
2: I'm picking Georgia. I picked Georgia to win the whole thing before the season started. Uh, I'm going to stick with that. I think they're going to play twice. I think they're going to play in the SEC championship game. Then they're going to play in the national championship game. Uh, I just think, you know, when I look at Alabama, they they have one of the highest ceilings in college football. They're young. They're growing together on offense. The defense is older. They're good enough and have enough depth to correct the physical mistakes they made against Florida and to keep getting better and better as those young guys get more reps. I just look at Georgia's ability to run the ball. I watched the way Florida was able to kind of push Alabama around a little bit up front. And when you look at that matchup, if Georgia is able to run the ball and dictate the pace, it's going to put a lot of pressure on Bryce Young and them to be able to, to score in the few possessions that they have. Because if you look at what Georgia's doing, they're really playing keep away on offense right now. And you have to with the amount of guys they've had beat up. Your quarterback's been out. You're getting guys back at different times. Uh, so I would take Georgia to win that game. I, I would say I would think 21-14, 21-17, somewhere like that.
0: Jake, one more thing for you, man. Uh, let's go back to South Carolina, Tennessee. Where's your head at on this matchup? Uh, how, how do you think it plays
2: out on Saturday at noon in Knoxville? Well, South Carolina's got to get back to running the ball effectively. I mean, I don't think they've ran for over 102 yards in any game since the first game. And when you have the personnel, and look, South Carolina fans are smart fans. That's one of the reasons why I like talking about them. They, they, they and I'm not saying that because I'm on here. You have some fan bases that are He's just buttering them up. So yeah. after well, you, have some, you have some fan bases that are like, well, we got to win the national championship this year in his first year, or Shane Beamer's not a good coach. The personnel is not where it needs to be for South Carolina. The depth is not where it needs to be. That is not Shane Beamer's fault. There's a reason he is the head coach there now, and it's going to take him some time to build it. But South Carolina has to run to open the pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Getting Doty back was big. But to be able to run the ball and open up the play action and keep Tennessee's defense on the field, that's the trick. Tennessee doesn't have a lot of depth on defense. I know they're good against the run. I think they're 24th in the country against the run, somewhere like that. But they don't have a ton of depth. And when you operate at that pace on offense, if South Carolina can come out and get a couple quick three and outs and keep that defense on the field, even if they don't score, I'm talking about just extending drives, getting to six, seven, eight plays consistently and then scoring, you will give yourself a chance in the second half. But if South Carolina comes out, and Tennessee's able to hit on a few of their first, two of their first three drives, and they get up double digits. And now South Carolina's got to start throwing the ball around. It could snowball on them the way it snowballed on Missouri last week. So to me, the key for South Carolina is time of possession. That's going to tell me a ton about this game.
0: Jake, man, great stuff. We appreciate the time. Wish you all the success in the world. Um, anytime you need anything from us, let me know, man. And uh, why don't you go ahead and tell our uh, our listeners and watchers here where can they find you? And again, go go back over uh, when the show's on, man.
2: Definitely. Well, uh, number one, I appreciate you guys having me. When I uh, coached at South Alabama, we came up there and played in Columbia. When Coach Spurrier was there, it was an unbelievable experience. The white towels, the bird in the cage before the game. I felt like uh, I was at a Led Zeppelin concert going going in there first. But now you can find us uh, on YouTube every day live from 2 to 3 Central. Going to be talking some South Carolina, Tennessee today. Uh, It's easy. Just go to YouTube, type in the volume. You'll see it. Uh, we're live every weekday. We go live stream on Saturday and then Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. And we talk ball, no politics, man. We uh, talk a little bit about everything, have some fun. My Blaine, my brother Blaine, who's also on the show, dresses up like Emperor Palpatine every time he makes his picks, which is one of the funniest things I've ever seen, probably because it's my brother. I don't know if anybody else finds it funny. But uh, check us out, man. It's a good time.
0: Jake, appreciate you, man. Uh, y'all have a good one. Enjoy Saturday, okay?
2: All right. Y'all be good.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Jake. Jake Crane, awesome stuff, man. That was good. That's Great. Jake's uh, – Debut here on GC Live, and uh, hopefully, we make that happen again, man. Uh, he, he rattled off that Tennessee had the 24th uh, run
1: defense in the country, uh, oh, yeah. like he's been doing homework or something. I'll tell so, you what, he should have helped out uh, Mark Stoops over with Kentucky because he uh, was talking as if uh, LSU has one of the best rush def- rushing attacks in the country. And going into their game, LSU against Kentucky, LSU's ranked 128th out of 130 teams. With rushing yards per game, so they're they're not doing well right now. Uh, so maybe you know Jay could have helped out Mark Stoops during that press conference the other day. Who's one twenty nine and one thirty? Probably like you. probably Missouri
0: probably after like, after probably, last week.
1: Probably, <laughs> probably, well, I know Gamecock fans will probably say it's USC probably, but uh, it's probably like UMass, you know? Yeah, definitely uh, or UConn, you UMass U- 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 and UConn. Did you watch UConn Vandy? Nope. Last week? No. Nope. Yeah. I, I, care, I care too much about my sanity and want to be able to enjoy myself, especially with this new schedule, right? Not having to get off at midnight or 1 a.m. because of TV. I can actually go out and and, and have a life now. So uh, the last thing I was going to do was watch that. I was actually watching the end of that Clemson game against Boston College. Uh, you can go out, have a life. You can go to market on Maine, yep. enjoy the massive
0: TV above us as we uh, hit our marketing marks for today. Uh, SC Scout guy says, What's the name of his show? It is the J-Boy Show. Um, He's on Twitter at the J-Boy Show. Um, Again, hopefully we'll have him on at a later date as well. He 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 nailed the South Carolina-Tennessee game. As we get back into that, though, man, actually hit on a lot of the same vibes that we were talking about already. Um, You know, that's what Clayton White said this week. That's what Shane Beamer said this week. And it's that you absolutely have to find a way to make some first downs on offense, to stay on the field. Allow your defense time to rest. As you said, maybe you frustrate Tennessee's offense a little bit. And the point I was getting to before Jake came on, dude, they're they're all in on this speed thing. It's not even really uh well, sometimes they go fast, sometimes they slow it down. For the most part, it's speed, 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 speed. So, um, it, you know, as, as much as – and rightfully so in some cases, everybody on this show right now, everybody in that chat room right now, um, would have negative things to say about South Carolina's previous staff. Yeah. Um, and I have a point that I'm going to with this. I, I don't like the thing when whenever there's a change, everybody, you know, is everything here is – everything new is great and everything in the past was awful. Because that, that kind of ruins, like, the nuance of what really happened. Giving credit where it's due, Will Muschamp and that staff, whenever they faced Missouri, by the way, their offensive coordinator – was Tennessee's current head coach, they actually had the perfect executed game plan against these guys on a couple of different occasions. And that was that you run the football on offense, you stay on the field on offense, you play some bend but don't break on defense. And then you force field goals. You you can even even if they're scoring, if they're just scoring field goals tomorrow, I think if you're South Carolina, you're happy. I think they need to get into what I would call like a red zone game. And that that, you know, Tennessee's going to go up and down the field. At times, can you force field goals? Can you force a turnover here or there? Can your boy Pete Limbo maybe pull out another special teams? uh, Just big, you know, big play, explosive play. Um, That is the blueprint to beating these guys. Now, it's easy for us to talk about the
1: blueprint. It's harder to actually go do it. I don't disagree but you need to be able to finish in the red zone. You need to be able to get 6 instead of settling for 3 because I feel like with this South Carolina offense until they can prove that they can be consistent and move the ball down the field enough times to, to put you in a situation to win games by being able to get 3 or 4 field goals, it's just like are they going to be able to get in that position to be able to just to, to score enough points if your defense is putting you in a situation where it's a low scoring affair. So, you know, Red zone offense, that has been something that has been, it seems like a nightmare over the last couple of seasons outside of the beginning of last year when South Carolina, I believe, was ranked in the top 20. Now, I know some people be like, well, you know, because half the the country wasn't playing at that point. Mike, I get that. But still, they made improvements at the beginning of last season. Mm -hmm. And say what you will about Mike Bobo, but the way, you know, especially with his pin pin and pull scheme, which is basically just man blocking, they did a good job with that. I think what it boils down to is this. We can talk about the blocking and how maybe the communication's been a little bit off. I think what it also comes down to is how is Luke Doty going to mentally feel? Because we can talk about, okay, Luke, you know, how do you feel this week? Is it 80%? Is it 90%? How close are you to 100%? That's great from a physical standpoint. More importantly, what they need, what he needs to be able to do is get close to 100% from a mental standpoint because you have to be able to go out there and not think about that injury. And when you come back, especially from a lower body injury, and this is only what, you know, going on two months ago, it's natural that he's going to think about it. That's why he wasn't taking off when he had those running lanes. So he talked about it after the game this past weekend against Troy. He talked about it um, on Tuesday during his uh, weekly uh, press conference availability that he needs to take off and use his legs a little bit more that's great but how are you feel, uh, mentally feeling to be able to do that because I mean go back to 2019 when Nick Muse tore his ACL he told me at the beginning of the year when we had uh, the media availability at USC a couple months ago that he didn't feel like himself into the Missouri game so when you need to be able to get back to yourself so I think that's why we're seeing more pistol this year because they're trying to protect Luke by getting him away from being under center, giving him a little bit more space, trying to take away the possibilities of getting stepped on. But I also think because of that, you're seeing just the timing off a little bit. You know, they're trying to stay with the same angles when you hand the ball off to Kevin Harris or some of these running backs. That's why you see the pistol instead of offset. But at the same time, too, it slows down the timing just a little bit. So I think some of these things are coming together. It's been a work in progress. But then again, uh, if you ask this coaching staff back in August if they expected Luke Doty to uh, be injured for the first couple of weeks, they would have told you no. And I think we would have seen more eye formation to start the year. And yeah, and just to be clear,
0: I'm saying if South Carolina's defense forces some field goals, then you're almost okay with their with them scoring. I, I agree 100%. The offense gonna have to score touchdowns we, mm-hmm. we saw we saw even last week against troy man they they moved the football probably as well as they have all year as far as like actually putting together somewhat methodical drives like you yep. weren't you weren't just relying on an explosive play a lot of times dude let's be honest most of the season coming into last week most of the drives they had, they had a nice drive i would say the beginning of the second half against kentucky mm-hmm. but for the most part you know against georgia you got you got a big play to josh van down the sidelines you know um most of the time, it was either that the defense is scoring itself with a pick six or that the offense is getting a big play and it's it's setting setting you up to score. Last week, we saw them actually methodically go down the field, distribute the ball around a little bit, mix in some more creative plays that use some misdirection. Josh Van on the end of round was very successful. We saw some good things. But now, you know, and I'll go back to what Jake was saying. To me, if you're going to be a good red zone team, you're going to be a good goal line team inside the 10 team – Gotta run the football. The team the teams that are good inside the 10 to me are teams that can actually just line up and run the football successfully without gimmicks, without uh, you know, you you don't have the advantage of of the safeties not being up when you're down there because the back of the end zone basically serves as as your two safeties. So your safeties are in the box, you're gonna get more linebackers, there's more defense alignment on the field sometimes. Like it's harder to run the football down there, but that's the difference between to me a team that gets down there and has to kick a lot of field goals or risk going forward on a lot of fourth downs and the teams that just put it in for
1: for six. So let's flip it. Let's talk about the defensive side and how that does have an impact. Someone asked me what position I played. I played cornerback. So this kind of ties into what you're talking about. When you can make a team one dimension, it doesn't matter where on the field, but especially in the red zone, that's that allows your defensive lineman to just put their hand on the ground and be able to take off, and just your job is to just tee off on the quarterback. And knowing that Doty has been hesitant to take off and use his feet a little bit, that makes it even worse, and it really puts you in the box. So more than anything, yes, you need to be able to establish the run, but especially once you get down into the red zone, because if not, it becomes so much easier. It's obviously tougher to score in the red zone. But if you become one-dimensional and the quarterback has not earned the respect of the defense – At least right now, we know Doty, when he's healthy, he can take off. The guy can run the ball. I mean, shoot, he was running like a 4-4 coming out of high school. We know what he can do, especially when he is healthy. And I think he is getting closer there, both physically and mentally. He needs to earn that respect of the defense because right now, and I, I don't want to put words in the kid's mouth, but he'd probably tell you, yeah, I need to earn it right now because right now, this is what I've put on tape so far. How can I be able to get back to that point? Well, I think it's going to help him if the team is able to establish the run but more than anything, when he does have those lanes just take off, because as soon as you do that, defenses are going to have to prepare for that. They're not going to be able to. It's so much easier because when you get to the red zone, what you really want to do is you want to play zone. Play zone. You want to do demand and have to worry about running into each other, worry about picks. Um, if, if a quarterback's not taking off, it makes things so much easier. See this comment? Played like cornerback, but I wasn't going to make that assumption. There you go. Well, I mean, my, my fellow cornerback at Assumption, he played a touch fork. And I'll never forget when my really? first... Th- yeah. Jarrell He played for uh, the great Bill Kimry. And uh, I'll never forget, I'm walking into the defensive back meeting room, and uh, he said, uh, kickers are down the hall. So, yeah, that was great. He told me how it looked like a kicker. But they had great kickers at Assumption. I mean, I, I always... I've dubbed it special teams, you. And I just got to say this. Cole Tracy, he kicked at Assumption, went to LSU. He holds the NCAA record for most field goals made. Deontay Harris... He plays for the Saints now, punt return and kick return. He holds the record for the most punt return and kickoff return touchdowns in NCAA history for all divisions. Uh, long snapper for the Buccaneers. He's a Super Bowl champ. And then uh, you got this handbone right here. And you got Collins Patel right over there uh, yep. doing big things for the Gamecocks. That's uh, special team, too, but not to make this into Assumption Show because we want people to actually stick around yeah. and watch us. People will start clicking up. They got a big game tonight, what? though. Friday who, Night Lights. Who do we got? Who they got? Uh, Southern Connecticut State. <laughs> Where is that? Connecticut, <laughs> in southern Connecticut, I think I think I think it's uh, close to uh, Hartford. Where okay. to me, I love Boston pizza. If you go down to Connecticut, that is pizza city USA. Really, I will okay. never give New York any credit. New York does have some good pizza, but Hartford, Connecticut, oh my goodness, best pizza around. And I love Village Idiot, but Brian Glenn will tell you, best pizza, Hartford, Connecticut. Speaking speaking of New York, how how are they do in baseball this week? Have you seen a score? No, what time's the Yankees playing? <laughs> I mean, people could just oh, how did the Red Sox do after after the Rays scored on a. You know, stealing a uh, home. Uh, it was done for me last night. SC Scout guy says,
0: uh, I, I don't know where you're going with this one, man. We've only thrown the ball to the running back twice this entire season. That is not accurate. Um, do they need to maybe try to get the backs involved a little bit more in their passing That's right.
1: game? That's what uh, I mean. New Haven for Pete's excuse me. I said Hartford. Kyle, you're right, sorry. We want to make sure uh, we get pizza information correct. I could be, you know, if I screw up on football, you guys can hammer me. But pizza, they will, they will throw us sure. off of this show. Yeah, if, I if have to get, get the pizza. If you stuff get right food now.
0: takes in general wrong, mm-hmm. they will hammer you on here. Sorry man, to but,
1: cut you off, though. No,
0: you're good, man. So I, I was going to go into this Doty thing a little bit more. I know um, it, it's kind of one of those things where, and, and somebody else mentioned on there that that they think they were seeing signs of Kevin Harris starting to get back. Uh, maybe to a full, like, 100% Kevin Harris like we saw last year. Um, you know, and I agree. To me, some some of it has been scheme. Some of it has, has been there's just not room to run. Some of it has been. Kevin looks like a guy who, let's be honest, you have back surgery, dude.
1: There's going to be, and you miss you
0: miss all. <laughs> Minor back surgery. Yeah, my, there's no, no such I'm thing.
1: not saying he's lying to us by any means, but it goes back to what I was saying about Doty. You can be closer to 100% from a physical standpoint, but from a mental standpoint, I mean, show me anyone, anyone that has had back surgery, minor, major, you just don't come right back, especially a couple months ago that he had this procedure. You don't just come right back, oh, you know, you hear him, you know, oh, you know, for a knee injury, oh, just going in there, just did a little cleaning. (laughs) I mean, this is a back, you know regardless of what the procedure was, it's a back injury. So I think he is getting back to being himself. But I think one of the challenging parts is you have such a crowded, talented room at running back. And as we've seen with the past with Kevin, he gets better as the game goes on. What can he do if he's not getting as many touches early on in the game? And that could be something that USC tries to do a better job of Satterfield, getting him the ball a little bit early on. So he can build that up because it seems like right now it's going to be Juju and, and Kevin Harris uh, but that doesn't mean you don't see guys like, you know, White. you don't see guys like uh, Marshawn Lynch get into the mix. But right now it seems like Harris is getting more like himself, where this would we know him to be. Mm-hmm. The question is, is he going to be able to get over that hump of thinking about that back regardless of what he tells us?
0: And I I'd sort of go back, man, let's go all the way back to the spring. Um, you're putting in a new offense. He wasn't 100% healthy then either. He was held yeah. out of practices mm-hmm. back then as well. So, to me, yes, he's a veteran at this point. Yes, he played all last year, but it was in a different scheme. So yeah. some some of these little things that we hear Satterfield talk about, where uh, it didn't hit just right, or an angle was wrong, or some kind of the pace of the running back getting to the line of scrimmage was a little bit off. Maybe those things don't happen. Not to make excuses. Yeah. We're just talking about why, why why some things have to, happened yeah. the way they are. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that's something if, if he'd rep that play a hundred times in preseason practice. Maybe, maybe it's just a little bit different. I I So I, I think this is going one of two ways. Um, this offense, for the most part, man, this offense has kind of had the same scoring output other than Eastern Illinois, which is, there's bad, completely yeah. overmatched. Uh, if you start taking out, like, special teams and, and defensive scores and stuff like that, sure. for the most part, the offense has kind of been about the same output regardless yeah. of opponent. So either that keeps up. And then you you really have some real problems. Or I feel like there's going to be a moment. Uh, we see this sometimes with a new scheme, especially an NFL scheme, where maybe the guys aren't quite as used to it. There's a moment where things just start clicking. Let's say Doty starts feeling like him, completely like his old self. Yeah. Harris starts feeling like his old self. Confidence starts going up. Um, this middle part of the season, which we're going into right now, this is this is game six is when we're going to find out, is this offense just what it is? Like, it is what it is, and it's going you know, to kind of not get much better. Or does it just click, and we start to see a, a – I don't think it's ever going to be like an offense that goes up and down the field on, on everybody.
1: But no. that it starts to find a rhythm and find an identity. And there's no question that the run game can be able to set up the pass. We know that. But I think more than anything – and it goes back to what we were talking about the red zone, but just think big picture and offense as a whole – Doty needs to earn the respective defenses right now. Can Doty throw the deep ball? Yes, he can throw the deep ball. I don't care what people say. He can throw the deep ball. He's proven it. There's been opportunities where he's thrown down the field. Either guys haven't ca- caught it or, you know, he's put it right where it needs to be. He has some, you know, Josh Vance made some great catches. The problem is, is this. Is, a, is he the type of guy that will go out there, be a pocket passer and can throw 300, 400 yards a game? No, he's not going to do that. The beauty of what Doty brings to the table is that, defenses when he's healthy they have to respect the the the, the ability for him to be able to run the football especially when he gets to outside the pocket and I think that's when the run game gets going you're able to use play action you're able to use boots and he's able to get outside and he puts defenses in a pinch because you have to respect that he has the ability to run and when he steps up what happens he does have the arm to be able to throw it over the top but like I said he's not the type of guy that's going to sit in the pocket and be able to kill you for 300, 400 yards weekly. He needs to be able to get the feet going. And if he can do that, defenses are not going to have a choice. They're going to have to step up. And I think you're going to continue to see this young man step up and have a good good career. And I'll say this too. I talked to a former USC quarterback just the other day. Probably, let's see, today's Friday. I talked to him on Wednesday. He is very impressed with what he's seeing with Doty. He likes his mechanics. He likes his decision making, and he feels like once he is able to get his feet back to where it needs to be, that he is going to surprise a lot of people that have trod, you know have wrote him off already, just because he isn't a hundred percent from a mental and physical standpoint right now. And I I think when that happens, Mike, I think we're just
0: it's going to be obvious. Like we're gonna there's going to be a play, um, and if you're a South Carolina fan, you hope you hope it's like tomorrow, sooner rather than later, where we just see Doty take off. Yep, and we're going to be like that's. That's the old Luke Doty from a physical standpoint. Because I I agree with the the quarterback you talked to, man. His ability as a passer, I believe, ha, like I, I think, as much as I've said this before, as much as everyone you know is on sat right now for the offensive output, and it, it's ultimately on him. I give him credit for the development of Doty as a quarterback, as mm-hmm. a passer. He, you know, they, even
1: banged up, even banged up. You you can see he has helped him grow. There's no yeah, question.
0: And the, to me, the, the mechanics are good. The ball comes out great. Like, it is a tight spiral. Yep. It is a catchable ball. It is, uh, for the most part, when he gets his feet set, it is, it is where he wants it to be. He throws well on the run. Somebody somebody had a point, man. The the number of play-action bootlegs that South Carolina ran last week to success, they were almost every time they called yep. those. It, it wasn't the same play. There were different guys in the flat, different structures out of different formations. But you want to talk about finding an identity. Um, To me, that's the first time I've really seen South Carolina have a particular, like, concept that it was clicking and they kept going Mm -hmm. to it. And um, I I think that's something maybe you you build off of going into this week. Um, Some of the stuff when you were were asking Satterfield about, you know, how the the pistol maybe gives them a little bit of the best of both worlds, where you're you're able to keep Doty out of there and keep his feet from all the pistol. Getting all the pistol.
1: All the pistol is is an eye formation and shotgun form. That's all it is. Because when you hand off the football, it's the same angle. And 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 not not to get too technical, but that is why you do the pistol. You're trying to give yourself a little bit more space. And obviously, not every coach in the country is putting their quarterback back further to protect them. And you know whether or not that is the exact reason that USC will come out and say that's definitely part of it. But that's the reason why they're not going offset. They want to be under center. That's why Satterfield said the other day, I wish we were going under center more. I think we will see that in the coming weeks as Luke continues to get better and better um, and feel more comfortable and feel more like himself. When I say better from a health standpoint. But I, I just I just think that this is the week you're going to see. You're going to continue to see those rollouts, those play action boots, and you're going to see Doty go out there. And it's going to put – you talk about RPOs and making a linebacker, outside linebacker have to decide, okay, Am I going to come up on the run? Am I going to you know defend the pass? This is very similar. You put people on the outside, whether it be that nickel, whether it be that outside linebacker, whether it even be a corner and, and run support, you put them in a situation or a high safety, you put them in an awkward situation where they have to decide, am I going to come up and try to stop the run? Or am I going to sit back here? And like I said, Luke is a very, very smart individual. Yeah. He's very smart with his decision-making. And I think is more the more he feels comfortable with himself – you're going to see him start to take up, and I think this is the week you're going to see Doty have a big game on the ground. And I say big. I'm saying close to maybe 40 yards, 50 yards. You know, you got to take baby steps. He's not going to go out there. I don't expect him to go out there and have 100 yards rushing, but I expect him to be able to start generating more yards on the ground this, this weekend, and if he can do that, watch everything else start to open up. Well, for, dude, 40 or 50 yards would be massive for this offense when you talk
0: in terms of how many more first downs how many more opportunities did they have to where they stayed on the field as opposed to having to punt mm-hmm. because of him extending a play? I mean, dude, the guy right down the road at the ops building right now, Connor Shaw, he used to kill defenses. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy had the perfect knack. Third and four, drops back, everything's covered. Even, you know, even the the head ball coach, Steve Spurrier, didn't always have a perfect call on. Everything's covered. Connor lets the defense sort of spread out or lets a man coverage get chased down the field, rolls out and gets four-and-a-half yards on third and four. Yeah. Fresh set of downs, and there's nothing more demoralizing for a defense than for that to happen to him. So I'm with you, man. If they, if they get 40, 50 – he doesn't. Luke doesn't have to be a 100-yard rusher. It's about extending plays and, as you talked about, making defenses account – for him because then when you when you run the zone read mm-hmm. run the the veer whatever you want to run um, teams are accounting for him as opposed to just sort of Maybe, maybe you put an eye on him, but you're not really worried about him taking off running. But here's the other thing, too.
1: It's not just uh, this happens this weekend, and this is good for USC now. This helps them moving forward. We talk about film all the time, right? Throw, showing different formations, whether it's unbalanced, whether it's maybe putting you know three wide receivers on one side doing trips, just different formations, right? And teams have to spend more time with that in practice. It's the same deal when you have a quarterback that scrambles. I mean, I think back to when I was in college, if we had a quarterback that scrambled a lot, we would spend more time doing, um, you know, scramble rules and latching on to a receiver when you're a defensive back downfield. So I mentioned all that, and that's not saying that these teams aren't practicing that. That's something you practice each week, just like you practice special teams each week. But when you know you're going up against a quarterback yeah. that has the ability to take off and you have to respect and you respect it, you respect it. You're going to spend more time doing that. And what happens when you spend time more time doing something? You have to spend less time doing other things. So I think that can be a huge benefit for South Carolina in the coming weeks if they can put on tape that Doty is starting to look and feel more like himself in, compar- in comparison to the last couple of weeks with his feet. I was giving SC Scout guy a hard time earlier,
0: but I do agree that uh, continuing to get the ball to the running backs, if, if you can't get them in space in the running game – we saw a little bit of this last week, um, motioning the back out and, and hitting them on a quick swing pass, setting up some things out there, um, you know, some different screen looks, stuff like that. I, I, I thought we saw them have maybe their most creative game plan of the year last mm-hmm. week. Um, to me, whatever you have to do to get these backs involved and in space, you do it, even yeah. if it's not necessarily what you thought you were going to do coming in or what you wanted to do. Uh, by any means coming in. So we'll see if they can do that. Dude, speaking of quarterbacks running the ball, though, I'm going to sort of finish the way we started. Hendon Hooker, Tennessee's quarterback. Yeah. Rushed for about, I think, 80 yards last week. That threat combined with everything else this defense does to, or this offense does to stress your defense. That, that to me, if, I, if I'm going to like circle one thing, like one concern from a game pack perspective, one thing to watch on Saturday can they get this guy on the ground in the open field and um, can can they slow down the rush? He's just good enough, just fast enough, just big enough that he gives you a lot of issues from that standpoint. So that, that's sort of my, if if I'm like going to circle one matchup, one thing for me, it's just keep that guy bottled up. If you have an open field shot at him, get him on the ground. What's your just uh,
1: above all else key for South Carolina um, if you were to just pinpoint one thing, man. Well, I mean, when you talk about trying to be able to limit the quarterback uh, ability to be able to run, I mean the beauty of playing the four-two-five defense. And I'm not trying to go too technical here. I mean, you guys are a smart group. I mean, you guys are subscribers and you uh, pay attention to Gamecock Central, so that makes you guys smart already. When you play a four-two-five defense, we used to talk, we used to harp on it all the time in college you're trying to create a plus one. And what that means is being able to have an extra defender that's not accounted for because you're trying to overload one side. So that's why South Carolina has been very successful with their blitzes this year because of that plus one. It's very difficult. pre snap, moving around, trying to create confusion regardless if a team plays man-blocking schemes or zone-blocking schemes. So when you have a quarterback that scrambles, those four, two, five, that 4-2-5 scheme allows you to still do the same thing. But the only difference is, it's not necessarily just taking off. You're able to kind of fool around, maybe a little QB spy action here mm-hmm. and there, and you can kind of dictate based on you know how an offense comes out, with being, you know, what's 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 the strong side of the unbalanced this and that you're able to put yourself in a situation that will help you have that plus one. So what it comes down to is simple communication, which that's a word that the offense is learning right now. The buzzword of the year so far. Communication <laughs> and then just doing your one eleven. Because there's going to be times, whether you're a DN, whether you're an outside linebacker, you're going to have to be the traffic cone. And what I mean by that is you're going to be the one that has to take on the block or two blocks sometimes, right? And you're not going to get the stats. You're not going to get the accolades. The times where quarterback, where defenses get themselves in trouble in situations like this where you have a quarterback that can scramble is that one person tries to do more than their 111. So what it comes down to is this. Just do your freaking job. Do your job. Limit the mistakes in terms of the explosive plays on defense and get off the field on the money down, which is third down. Offense, let the offense take care of himself. I think you're going to see an improvement this week. But defense, put yourself in a situation where you have the mentality of we have to play our best football this weekend or we're not going to give ourselves a shot because the offense has to prove to us that we're capable of being able to put up some points. I'm fired up. Dude, that was a pregame speech. You well, like, you know, you, I am, I am the in, son of a coach. You He's, went into like you you went from analysis to like pregame speech mode, like on a on a whim. Well, Paul Yuba's got a big game. I don't know if it's tonight or tomorrow because in the Massachusetts private schools they sometimes play on Saturday. So,
0: 38th season. It, I was about to say it's closing in on
1: 40 years as a coach. And and up there they call it D one, which I don't understand. You know, y'all or you guys or whatever down the south. <laughs> college football is D1, D2, D3. So I don't understand why 5A is the highest, but that's a story for a different day. But they're kind of like the equivalent, not obviously as talented, of Dutch Fork up there. So they're the two-time defending state champs. So uh, wishing Paula Yuva and uh, St. John's Prep best of luck, if it's tonight or tomorrow. I can't remember. Um, I don't know if you said it or not. What scheme did you play in in, uh, in college? I played a 4-3 for my first three years. Then my head coach, Corey Bailey, actually took an assistant job down at Coastal Carolina for about four or five seasons. And then we had um, a new coach that came in. His name was Bob Chesney. He's the one that recruited Carlin's Patel. He's the head coach now at Holy Cross. He implemented the uh, the four two five defense, and I love the four two five defense. Um, and, and I mean, based on some of the comments that people are saying, um, you understand when you play a four two five defense, it is exciting. We heard so much, you know, and I know people kind of mocked it a little bit when Jordan Birch or some of these guys, from a defensive standpoint, said, you know, there's a higher emphasis. Of getting to the quarterback yeah, yeah what they mean by that is with a four-two-five is you're going to come through more okay you're coming through more you know you're going to come free at times more than playing a 4-3 so um it's been a lot of it's been exciting but what that comes down to is it can be hit or miss if you don't do your run gaps you don't do your 111 then that's when you see explosive plays happen on defense so just do your job and let everything take care of itself because when they have been hitting boy it's been a lot of fun to watch
0: I was, that's the word. I was, you took the word out of my mouth, man. This has been a fun scheme to watch. It's been fun to watch the guys having fun. I feel like like they they're running around. They're fast. Um, I think I saw Yuba get shot in the Departed. Somebody said everybody got shot in the Departed. They did that. <laughs> by the way, that that is a great movie. One one of my probably top ten
1: all time movies is the Departed. Bronx too. I think Goodfellas is my favorite. Bronx Tale is definitely up there. Departed, departed. Big, big a, mobster mafia kind of what guy a great movies, movie, but. Man. so good. Um, but yeah, this
0: dude, just I, I don't know this this defense to me has been kind of like what I thought the defense mm-hmm. was going to be when Muschamp was hired. Not necessarily from like a scheme standpoint, but just the the confidence that they yes. play. Um, I was going to ask you another technical question before we get out of here. How do you think they have been in terms of like pre snap sort of uh, not necessarily letting the offense know what they're doing, like disguising their looks. It seems to me like I've heard this defense is relatively simple to learn, but Mm -hmm. it's not simple from a standpoint of the fact that this is not a defense that just sits there and and like runs a couple of different plays and you sort of know what they're doing. Like I I feel like as the year has progressed, we've seen them implement different uh, things up front. We've seen Enigbare basically lining up from like a middle linebacker standpoint and rushing up the middle. They've moved him around quite a bit. So they've done some different things that I imagine for those guys is really fun. How how have they done as far as disguising things and and not letting their opponent know pre-snap exactly what they're doing?
1: They've done a great job, and I think one of the things now more than ever, I don't care if it's Division I, III, NAIA, high school football, you have more film at your disposal now than ever before and especially when you're playing in the SEC, you're going to have quarterbacks that have absolutely everything at their disposal. So they're going to go back and try to check tendencies. I mean, for me, there would be times when I would watch film on my own outside of, of when we have actually team meetings every day. I would look at like one day I would just pay attention to just what is going on from a technical standpoint. How is a receiver coming out in his stance and just trying to body language, running out of the huddle, and you could be able to tell little things. So from a defensive standpoint, it's the same deal. Pre-snap, the way you align is you're back towards the sideline when you're in a cover three in comparison to maybe a cover four. And just being, you know, when you have a receiver in front of you, trying to change your alignments up a little bit. But the tricky thing is, you know, with pre-snap alignments and trying to confuse the quarterback, if you're not in the best spot, if you're not in where you're supposed to be, ball snap, you're screwed. Because if you have to be playing inside leverage and you're outside and you don't move over quick enough, especially against a Tennessee team that likes to snap the ball quick, that is when trouble is going to happen. So going up against a Tennessee team, yes, it's important when you play a 4-2-5 scheme to be able to move around, to be able to create some confusion, because that's going to allow you to be able to get through on the blitzes. But on the flip side of that, if you're not in position when the ball snaps, mm-hmm. you are going to be screwed. So this week, I would expect South Carolina to maybe keep it a little bit more simple from yeah. a pre-snap alignment, especially if Tennessee is moving the ball quickly. Uh, but that doesn't mean you're not able to create some confusion i would expect shifts up front you know but maybe less movement in the secondary awesome man he is mike uva i'm west mitchell we want to thank market on
0: main uh the excellent digs out here man great place to come out and uh watch uh watch a game most of the time they have a live band that would be set up right where we're sitting right now great
1: food um, on to play pots and pans or something monica i i, I mean can can you I, took, I I did like a little drum thing. And my uh, mom's a music teacher. Really?
0: So yes. My mom can I, play any, shout out to my mom, she can play like any instrument. Like you can just pull an instrument
1: out of the container and be like, can you play this? She's like, took, yes. I took a piano class at Assumption. I don't know if they're going to take back my degree. I mean, not that I, I guess I need it anymore, but um, I took a piano class and I was awful. And I somehow won a raffle for New England Revolution soccer tickets. And I just had someone just do all my piano stuff for me that semester. So go. <laughs> assumption. I mean, I, I'm just not musically talented. It's okay, man. Um, great show
0: though. You Thank were you, talented, appreciate uh, it. with your GC live kind of, kind of debut. Um, but dude, this was good. Appreciate all of y'all. Appreciate everybody who joined us. Appreciate Mark and main. Appreciate my buddy, Clint Hammond of the mortgage network. 803-771-6933. Uh, appreciate dead Soxy. They're another sponsor of ours. 25% off. Use the code cocky. And, um, We'll be back on Monday on GC Live to uh, talk some ball, talk about – I'll throw a little tease out after you're done, too.
1: Go, go ahead. Tease right now. There's some big things in the works for Gamecock Central. So, if you enjoy these shows and you uh, are like, all right, it would be nice to have a little production value increase, just stay tuned. Stay tuned. It's got to that That's what we call in the TV biz, you know. you know, Coming up next, you got to live with a little cliffhanger. TV biz? TV biz. Okay, there it is. You heard it. That's
0: uh... – Mike Yuva on the TV biz, and that is your uh, your little sneak peek, little, yeah. little tease there. Get your popcorn ready. Awesome. Appreciate y'all. Y'all have a good one, and uh, we'll see y'all on Monday.